Welcome to The Big Rich Show. This podcast will focus on conversations with friends and acquaintances within the four-wheel drive industry. Many of the people that I will be interviewing, you may know the name, you may know some of the history, but let's get in depth with these people and find out what truly makes them a four-wheel drive enthusiast. So now's the time to sit back, grab a cold one, and enjoy our conversation. Whether you're crawling the Red Rocks of Moab or hauling your toys to the trail, Maxxis has the tires you can trust for performance and durability. Four wheels or two, Maxxis tires are the choice of champions because they know that whether for work or play, for fun or competition, Maxxis tires deliver. Choose Maxxis. Dread victoriously. Why should you read Four Low Magazine? Because Four Low Magazine is about your lifestyle, the four-wheel drive adventure lifestyle that we all enjoy. Rock crawling, trail riding, event coverage, vehicle builds, and do-it-yourself tech all in a beautifully presented package. You won't find Four Low on the newsstand rack, so subscribe today and have it delivered to you. On today's episode of Conversations with Big Rich, we have Bill Kassler, Bill and I have known each other for quite a few years. We'll get into that. But he is also the reigning president of the Terra del Sol Jeep Club, which, of course, does their big event called Desert Safari every beginning of March or so. But we'll talk all about that and and his history. So thank you for coming on, Bill, and uh, hope you enjoy this uh, process. Well, thanks for having me, Big. I, I appreciate that. Yeah, no worries. So let's just jump right in and find out some history about yourself before we get into the club. And so when were you, uh, or where were you born and raised? Well, I was born in San Diego, California. And um, except for maybe two or three years, I've always been here in Southern California, uh, in the San Diego area. Uh, My dad was... um, uh, ex-military Navy. And so I'm a Navy brat. And, um, uh, so that's where I've been and it's been wonderful. So he was, he was stationed down there in uh, Coronado then? Well, he was, he was actually, he retired just before I was born. Okay. So, um, he got a job with civil service up in Bremerton, Washington, and he hated the rain. Um, and my mom said when she could see through my skin, it was time to go. So we moved back to Southern California where my dad got another job, uh, with civil service and worked all over, uh, 32nd street here and, and, uh, Point Loma and all of the bases in San Diego. Oh, okay, great. And so what was, uh, what was your early childhood like down in the San Diego area? Well, typical, um, you know, we spent most of our time outside, uh, riding bikes, um, uh, we were on the cusp of um, BMX stuff, so we had ramps out in the street and on the driveway um, that we built to do jumps and and you know uh, the biggest uh, trick on a on a motorcycle or a bike at that time was a, a cross up. So um, <laughs> we uh, yep. So you know we would do that and uh, played outside anything we could do uh, games, riding bikes, you name it. Uh, in fact, the beginning of on any Sunday, that was any day around Southern California with us and our friends on our bicycles. Awesome. 
Yeah, that was a that's a great movie. I had a friend that that I went to went through Boy Scouts with and he left and moved down to Southern California somewhere at the time uh we were just in getting ready to go into high school or first year in high school and he got into BMX riding down there and it was it was relatively new and fresh at that time. I'm a little bit older than you, I believe. And we were riding bikes, but nobody had real, what you would call a BMX bike. I mean, the, the coolest bikes that came out were the Schwinn, like Apple Crate, Orange Crates, you know, those those bikes. But that had that big wheel in the back and the little wheel up front. So not quite the same. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we, um, we were fortunate enough um, to get um, one of the very first BMX bikes around, it was a heavy steel frame and everything, but, uh, we made the best of them and, uh, learned how to bunny hop and, uh, had a lot of fun on them. Um, and we, I did have a few friends that got into the racing. Um, we kind of never really did. I was never aggressive enough to race. Um, but I sure liked watching it and I liked playing like I was racing, but you know, I didn't like being so close to the other riders. Right. Understood. So when you were, uh, when you were going to school in San Diego, were you studious? Were you athletic or kind of did your own thing? I was probably, um, a C average student. Um, uh, you know, school for me was kind of, um, a social event. Um, I, I learned enough to get me to move on to the next grade. Um, uh, I don't know if it was just the way I learned things, but I, I was always, um, I was like to play with, uh, things to work with my hands and build stuff. Um, uh, but I did, did do well enough to graduate. Um, I wasn't an honor student. I wasn't a jock. I did, did run track and, uh, I, I played football one year and, uh, I was too small for that and, and learned that very quickly that uh, <laughs> I was too small to play football. Um, but um, what we did was um, probably when I was maybe 13, 12 or 13, um, we talked our parents into getting me and my brother motorcycles. And, and that's what we did. That was our big um, hobby was riding motorcycles. And, uh, you know, those things kept us out of trouble. Um, we, uh, my mom would... Uh, piss my dad off by keeping the truck home and my dad would have to drive the station wagon to work so that we could load the motorcycles up right after school and we would go ride until the sun was down and my mom would be there to meet us don't forget this was all before cell phones and and we just had to you know be here when the sun goes down yeah i remember those those days it was when the stop when the lights went down and they or the sun went down and they turned on the streetlights. Yep. So we were fortunate enough for, you know, about four miles from our house, you know, we had, we had a huge area that, that everyone rode, you know, motorcycles. And, um, that, that area, uh, was a big influence to me. I mean, just having that opportunity. Of course, this was back in the seventies when, you know, it wasn't so litigious. Right. No, everybody was responsible for themselves. Yes. So then, and, and you said we, and that's, I'm, I'm assuming that's your brother? 
my brother and and some of my friends um okay. you know had a small group of friends that we'd go ride with um and uh you know uh, coincidentally during that pretty much that same time my aunt who lived in washington married an, a guy that he was into jeeps so when we would travel to washington we'd get to ride in jeeps and we thought that was just a blast my first tri- ride in a jeep was bouncing around we were bouncing around so much i couldn't stop laughing <laughs> and that was about the same time period or younger yep. older yep about about the same time cool so then you're uh, are you the oldest brother or are you the youngest i am the oldest i have a brother who's two years younger than me okay. at the time he was the daredevil he would just he was no fear and uh you know <laughs> he was it was fun to watch him but somehow we survived all that yeah i don't know what it is with with brothers it's typically that way where the youngest or the second is always more of the the daredevil. I don't know if it's because they're trying to keep up with the older the older kid, so they have to push themselves harder at a younger age. I don't know what it is, but it seems to go that way. Yeah, it sure is funny. So he he was the one with uh, that had more hospital visits. Um, no, I think uh, we all we did both pretty well. It's just <laughs> I couldn't believe what he would get away with, you know. Uh, you know, physically, he, he, <laughs> it was pretty wild. Cool. So from motorcycles um, at that 13-year-old age or so, when did you uh, graduate into uh, four-wheel vehicles? Well, I think um, I was probably 18, 19 years old, and um, I... I wanted to buy a four-wheel drive pickup, um, and so I did. I my very first four-wheel drive was a 1972 uh, Chevy Cheyenne four-wheel drive half-ton pickup. Um, uh, I didn't know a whole lot about what I was doing. Um, I did go out and have some fun with it. Um, uh, remember being at Fiesta Island, which is a little little um, uh, dirt island in the middle of Mission Bay. Uh, San Diego, uh, where we were out one night doing things that teenagers and young 20 year old kids do. (laughs) Uh, and I drove up over a a little mound and my friend was very impressed because I caught air and I said, you, I caught air. He goes, yeah, that was great. I said, well, watch this. (laughs) (laughs) So we went a little faster after that, and and we were flying my pickup truck uh, that night, and uh, that was some good fun. Nice, almost like uh, oh, what was that Lee Majors one where he was driving the Fall Guy? That's the it. Fall Guy. Yep, we definitely uh, not as dramatic, not as like far, but you know, maybe a little, maybe up twelve inches of air, and you know, hit the ground. Yeah, no, that that no. way you're not repairing it every time it lands. Well, I can't believe that I didn't need an alignment after that, but uh, needless to say, it was it was just a lot of good fun back then. Excellent. So, what did you uh, what did you do to support your habit um, from high school? Did you go into college or did you start working? I started college. Um, I started out. I wanted to be an electrical engineer. Um, I, that lasted about six months until I got a job and found out what money was 
and what money could do. Um, uh, so I bounced around a little bit until I was about 25, and then I, I became uh, an apprentice electrician. And um, uh, from there, I went, you know, I've stayed in the pretty much the electrical and low voltage trades. Uh, you know, even till now, I'm, I'm in electronic security. So, um, so that has what been has supported me. Um, if you want me to continue following down the line of how I've come to where I'm at now, where sure with my vehicles is, um, I bought after my my Chevy pickup. I bought a a Ford Ranger. I bought it brand new, and I thought that was just a super cool little truck. It was four wheel drive. That's when I started playing around a little bit more off road. I had a little bit more money. I could I could afford to do more things to it. So I had it lifted. My very, very first desert safari was in 1995. And uh, um, I had a brand new newborn son. Uh, and about three weeks later, I left to go to safari. My, my now ex-wife didn't really think that was cool, but um, I thought it was fine. Her parents were around. And um, <laughs> I did some of the trails, and I, I was terrified. I was absolutely terrified. They had signs on the trail that, that said, you know, don't touch your brakes. If you touch your brakes, you're going to go over kind of things. They were all funny, but to me, they were, like, terrifying. But, you know, we, we did what they said, and um, uh, I had the best time. Uh, it was so much fun. That was the greatest thing. And um, and then from there, I mean, I, I for a while I didn't have a vehicle, uh, you know, a four wheel drive, um, and it wasn't until um, I I um, began dating my current wife, and uh, we bought a motorhome together, and uh, we started looking at things to tow, so it would, you know, make our our trips a little bit more um, uh, enjoyable. And um, I decided, well, why don't we buy a Jeep? Because number one, it's you can flat tow it. Um, you can customize it to your liking. And it's utilitarian. It was completely, um, it, it, it didn't fit whatever we had. We had three young boys. How do you put three young boys <laughs> in a it, it has no room in it. Uh, Duct it was, tape and it, ratchet straps. <laughs> it, we did all of that. So we made it work. And it was a great tow vehicle. But from there... We, you know, we started meeting friends that had other, you know, had Jeeps. And, you know, uh, that really opened up our world of, of off-roading. Um, we, we started going to events and we started getting involved. And, uh, you know, those, that, that silly Jeep, you know, it, now we have hundreds of friends that have four-wheel drive vehicles. I met you because of off-roading. Right. So... Let's when 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 was it that you you got that Jeep to tow behind you know about what year? That was two thousand two. Two thousand two, um, okay. Yeah. Uh so um we bought it was a uh, a Jeep sport um and it, it was completely open with differentials, you know, and, and I honestly feel that that was probably the best way to learn how to wheel. Oh, absolutely. Uh, you pick, you have to pick the right lines to keep moving forward. Um, 
And then the Rubicons came out and uh, we had a friend that bought one and we were all in awe of those things. And uh, we were out one day and uh, we watched how those lockers worked and that was it. We had to have one of those. So in 2004, we traded in our 2002 to get uh, a Rubicon and we still have that Jeep today. Awesome. Okay. So let's let's talk about when we met. Um, I'm going to say it was either when I attended my first TDS um, Desert Safari, or was it the Kong or the uh, Boulevard event that we put on down there in Southern California? I think it probably at Safari. Okay. I, I I think you had a little RC track that you set up. Is that correct? No, the first time I went to Safari, we came down in one of the um, Rhino off-road uh, vehicles, the tubed buggies with the Honda okay. motors. Yep, that would have been the first uh, my first trip down there. Well, I probably so was that when we were still over at North Marina. It was the original site. Okay, so that was North Marina. Yeah, okay. so. I started really getting involved with Safari in about 2003, and I was a volunteer for Safari and was hanging around the club from 2003 to 2006. In 2006, we became members. Okay. Yeah, I think it was 2006 or seven, maybe five, when I, when I had that, that Rhino Off-Road rtv they called it um and we little rich and i went down there to uh to safari and kind of displayed the vehicle you might say for uh for howard pearl who owned the uh, company at the time yeah that sounds about right that was pretty fun so when uh when you got involved um you you said that then you became a member you were around the club for three years. Was that just going out to on some of their runs or was it uh, just out to Desert Safari or how did that, how involved were you? Well, it started out just Safari. Um, probably after the second Safari in 2004, we started probably going to meetings. Um, um, Funny story. Um, one of the friends of ours that that is still a member, um, I knew him when I was 18 years old, and we were running around San Diego. Never went to school together. We met each other at a church, and one day we were out at uh, Coyote Canyon, and we were climbing up the rocks, going up the hill, and I saw a guy who was spotting for a guy who was going in front of us. And I got up to him and we looked at each other and said, I know you. And he says, I know you. So he was a member. He joined right before us. And um, we had several friends that were pointing us in the direction of uh, Terrell Soul. So we, we um, finally were starting to go to meetings. And so we, we probably got into it around 2004 where we were doing meetings, club runs, and safari. And the club is is pretty large, is it not? I mean, membership wise, we um, we cap our membership at fifty. 
50 fan memberships. Yeah, we're we're a small club. Okay. Some reason it's always seemed bigger. I guess it's just because of all the people that show up for Desert Safari. Yeah, we are we're pretty lucky when we get a lot of help. We we have other clubs that help us. Um, San Diego Four Wheelers, the Hemet Jeep Club, um, San Diego Off Road Coalition, um, Corva people help us out. I mean, we do we do get a lot of help, but um, we have a lot of the family members of our of our club members that come out and really help us as, as well. Okay, so how many years has uh, I, I know that you said two thousand and four second year, but that's your second year. What? How long has the club been doing Desert Safari? Um, 60 years. Um, wow. Our first, first year was in 1962. 1962, um, wow. Yeah. That was a year before I was born. Now I've really dated myself. Um, uh, they, I've heard lots of stories about the very uh, beginnings of Safari, and they would raffle off bicycles, washing machines, um, you know, they did tires back then still, but they would get obscure items to, to raffle off. It wasn't just off-road parts. Well, that's interesting. And it was, and it's always been out there in the same area. It has, uh, the location has moved like three or four times. Um, but for the bulk of the time, it was at North Marina, um, and it was kind of down in our in that little wash that we um, we had it in, and it stayed there for um, probably forty forty years there. And that's and that's called Truck Haven. Yes. Okay. And is that part of the state park down there? It is now. Yes. It is now. Okay. Yes. And they have and, and the state parks have moved you from that location. Yes. Um, you know, all the regulations, um, uh, they don't allow organized events up there. You can't have a trail up there. You just can't have big organized events. So um, there are certain areas in the park where you're allowed to do that. So okay. that's where we've, we've moved a few times um, due to regulations and cost and all of the above. Um, uh, but really, state parks and Truck Haven and and Octeo Wells is our home. Okay, and that's uh, the Inland Empire. No, no, that's not. Con- is that considered Inland Empire? Nope, no. that's Imperial Valley. In- Imperial Valley. Okay, above Brawley. Yep. Right. Okay. And uh, anybody looking at your maps, Southern California, Lower Desert, um, Brawley is just above Baja. Yes, and we're right next to the Salton Sea, just west of the Salton Sea. Correct, yeah. So let's talk about those uh, those early days, as you know it, history-wise, and kind of uh, kind of some of the things that that carried over, like you were talking about the uh, the raffle that uh, you had, you know, not just automotive parts, but anything that you guys could get to. Uh, to attract people to come to the event, correct? Yep. We still have pictures here and there of, of, you know, what flyers used to look at. Like, so like the history of the club is basically this in the late forties and the early fifties after world war, after world war two, you know, um, 
they had search and rescue teams and you know uh, because of the military and military background of most of these people they 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 were familiar with jeeps so they became to love them so they would use them in the search and rescue uh and and a lot of these people got to know uh, the back country of San Diego very well. Um, some of those people uh, broke off of the search and rescue and focused on the uh, on the uh, the recreation of just um, four wheeling or jeeping um, more so, socially. Yes, and and just having fun going out and seeing what these vehicles would do, and. Uh, Two of those people were our, our, some of our founding members, and um, uh, uh, one of the names was Bozzy Willis, and he, he drew all of the, the artwork on, on our raffle tickets, our flyers, our, our program. Uh, he, he was our artist. Um, he came up with our, um, our uh, club logo and our club plaque that we still run today. Nice. So... Um, uh, super, super uh, entrenched in history in the area. You know, um, we have a deep, deep rooted history in the deserts of San Diego and Imperial County. Right. And with those early days of, do you know what the, the number of attendants that you had, say, that the club had in those early days? In the 60s? Probably, probably under 100, the first few. Um, and it grew and it grew um uh, over time um it wasn't until probably oh the late 90s early 2000s when we really started growing the event um and 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 getting the big bigger numbers um uh, but you know i mean we we i remember stories about you know we didn't we didn't rent um porta potties out there we um they, we had wooden um, outhouses that we would put together and um, they would dig pits out there for, for our toilets. So um, it was much smaller and, and um, it was, I, I don't want to say m- more manageable. It was just easier to cater to our guests back then. Right. We still do a good job at it. It's just that it was, it was pretty intimate. Right, and and any time that you grow attendees or spectators or whatever you want to call them, um, it it always makes things a little a little more stressful where you need to have more volunteers to help. Well, yeah, you know, you you um, you want to give the our, our guests the experience uh, that you know uh, we hope that they would have. Um, but you know, I got to tell you, you know, it's it's a little different than going out with seven or eight of your buddies and and going out and you know, cruising along and having fun, and you get six hundred people on a trail. It's just a little bit different, right? <laughs> six hundred people on a trail. I can't even imagine. Um, and I know you guys do that, like a loop trail um, ride, and that's a that's a huge number of people that show up is that do you offer multiple trails like in different locations or is it just that one big loop trail so way we've always ran it is that we have basically one big loop trail like you said 
And we call that the green run. We mark that trail with green arrows. Um, and um, we've had it to the point where we've had two different um, startings so we could get everybody off the main road and get them out on the trail. And then it would funnel down into the normal trail. Off of the main trail, we've historically had um, red arrows, which would be, be a little bit more difficult. It would take a little more skill uh, and a little bit more fun. And, and that would offer a little bit of little loops that went off of the main trail. And then we'd have blue arrows, which were just completely nuts. You, you, you have to be a little bit off to drive on those. <laughs> which a lot of us are <laughs> right so do you like on typical trail rides like in well like at easter jeep or some of those you have like a, a trail leader a mid trail gunner and then a um you know somebody that brings up the rear there tail gunner is that how you guys do this or is it just like okay everybody take off and follow the arrows well it's <clears throat> kind of a little bit of both uh the okay. the is a follow the leader trail we do have a trail boss that he he runs the he, he ramrods the whole trail and we do have a tail in charlie um we we do have checkpoints out on the trail uh we have uh trail control points where if we see um a uh, part of the trail is being congested we might reroute some people to keep things flowing so it's a it's a it's a big work to do it out there, but you know, for the most part, if you wanted to just go out there, you could follow the trail, uh, follow the arrows on the trail, and and do the whole thing by yourself with no leader. But um, normally, there you, you, we got a lot of people out there just you know following the person in front of them. Okay, and we've heard and we've heard people say, ah, you know, there's a traffic jam out there. We're sitting in there. Well, you know, that's fine and everything. If you want to have that attitude, it's always been my attitude that. Uh, you know, if I'm in a traffic jam and I can get out and have a soda, and uh, maybe a little snack and get to know the people that are around me, I'll take that any day over Southern California traffic. Right. I was going to say, so does when when you guys set up the trail, you know, who is it that works for a Department of Transportation that figures out where all those <laughs> those other locations are at, you know, with like you were saying? Yeah, it's it's um, it's. We have one person who's our, our trail boss, which is the ramrod, and her. Well, he's not the ramrod; he's the trail boss, and he he is our designated person to go out and find the trail. Of course, that's the way it used to be. Nowadays, we have to stay on um, you know pre-planned routes and such that are all approved by the state parks, um, and but we still can go out and pick and choose where. Um, uh, where we want that trail to go. And um, uh, so we still have the trail boss that goes out and plans the trail. Um, and, you know, he'll choose, you know, where we start. At, at the end of the day, we'll find out how long the trail is. And we try to keep it somewhere around um, 15 to 20 miles so that everyone can be back uh, for raffle. Okay. And when you do, you, you pick your routes. Now, Okatia Wells in the area that you use, um, Truck Haven, I guess, is, is that's part of Okatia. Um, are they, is that open area or is that designated trails only? No, it's all pretty much open. Um, 
they would like to see you stay on established trails. Um, but due to the um, just normal nature out there, there's a lot of trails that get um, uh, washed away or blown away by nature. So, um, uh, you know, a lot of people know where the trails were and have been. But, um, you know, if you can get a Jeep up through a, a, a wash, it, someone's probably already been up there. So, right. you know, it's fairly it's it's designated as an open riding area. OK. And and so for your event, though, you have to plan the routes and have them marked because, well, that's the requirements of the of state parks who manages yeah. the land. OK. Right. Right. And uh, more about the event itself the if somebody was to wanting wanting to come and participate i said like it's uh typically that first weekend in march is that yep is that still the the case uh typically um sometimes it's the very uh, last of february it's just either the last of february or um early march yes okay yeah that's where we've always conflicted with our dates of our opener with we rock is that we're kind of stuck with the two weeks after when wickenburg has their frontier days or whatever i I can't remember what they exactly call it gold rush days and that always seems to fall on the same weekend that you guys do tds so we've uh, always had a conflict there but since ours is a competitive event um you know most of the Southern California Jeepers and people from around even Arizona that are that are trail riders go there um, instead of the competition. So I don't think it's hurt either one of us, spectator or attendance wise. Yeah, you know it it's um, it, it can be a bit frustrating, but I think that um, it just proves to the fact that our sport is popular. You know, so I I, I feel that it's probably a good problem to have. Yeah, I agree. Absolutely. So let's uh, let's talk about if somebody wants to be involved as an attendee, do they go to your website and sign up, or is there a sign-up period? What's the uh, what's the typical protocol? Yeah, typically we we open up our registration somewhere around um, late November, early December. Um, and, uh, they just go to our website. It's, it's TDS four by four.com. Um, and, uh, they can get all the information. We have merchandise there. Uh, and that's where they would typically go. Okay. And how long is the event? When does it start and finish? We call it a weekend event, but normally we're open Thursday. Um, uh, all of our, our big um, happenings uh, are on um, Saturday for, okay. for the most part. Um, our t-shirt booths are always open um, and, and our registration booths are always open probably no later than noon or somewhere around on, on that on Thursday afternoons. Okay. So people can show up Thursday afternoon, get, get signed in, even though they're pre-registered, they got to physically sign in, go through a tech. Is that correct? We don't do a safety inspection anymore, um, but yeah, they do have to come and, and pick up their raffle ticket and and uh, finish their registration. Okay. 
the and then um, it, what other services come with signing up? Is there um, besides the raffle and the trail ride? What else is involved? Well, we typically have a vendor show as well, okay. and uh, <clears throat> I don't know. We have about twelve acres or something that we fence off, and we have a vendor show. We have um, uh, uh, food vendors that come there. Um, we have porta potties and hand wash stations. Um, we have a stage that we normally have. If nothing's going on, we'll have at least some music playing. Um, uh, lots of lots of people to talk to about anything you want to talk to off road. Cool. Do you guys still is? Are you near the the man made play area? Yes. So I, I was. I'm glad you asked about that. That's one that that you and Little Rich helped us with. Right. Um, uh, between state parks and and Tierra del Sol and and uh, the expertise of Big and Little Rich. Um, you know, we did build that, uh, training area and, um, our preferred location is, is right in front of that training area. Right. I could imagine that because that gives people things to do besides just riding on their own, um, out in the middle of nowhere where everybody can kind of hang out and see what everybody else is doing. Yes, and it's also a place that if you don't, I mean, you don't have to have a Jeep to, to you can walk in there. Uh, on the big weekends, there's normally something going on and something crazy going on. So um, uh, it's it's kind of a big spectator thing. People get to show off uh, while they're scraping their rigs through some of our obstacles, uh, you know, or, or seeing if they can climb certain things and uh, just just uh, do a YouTube search of TDS training area or Octio Wells training area. You'll see, you know, some of the crowds and, and some of the craziness goes on over there. Yeah. <laughs> I can remember. How's that? How's all that uh, stuff holding up? I haven't been down there in years. It's it's pretty good. I mean, you know, the, the biggest issue is the wind and it blows dirt into some of the obstacles and, you know, um, and with COVID, really, we haven't been out to do a whole lot of work on it, but we, we need to get out there and, and uh, see if we can do some maintenance on it. Right. Pull the sand it's out, a- of the cre- out of those. Because, like, we built that little sluice area that had the uh, the twists and turns in it and the steep walls. That is a fan favorite. I can imagine. You can get pretty it- messed up in there. Yeah, and it holds up pretty well. I mean, that one uh, that one kind of keeps itself uh, clean, and and it it works great. So good, glad to hear that. And and really, thank you for for helping out with that. I mean, I, I personally and and Bo Nice were were out there uh, for a lot of that construction. Um, you know, w- um, we all kind of had a hand in designing some of that, but. Um, you guys and uh, you and Little were um, the biggest, you know, guys that helped us with designing those things and making them world class. Well, thank you. We we, en- we enjoy that building that stuff. So the the event um, there at the training area, typically the preferred location. Thursday you can sign up. Friday. 
Thursday and Friday, you can go out freewheeling, um, play in the, that, the training area, and then Saturday's the big run, and then you get back into camp after the run and do the raffle. Is that correct? That's correct. Okay, and and uh, what are your what are your attendance numbers? Do you have a limit on them, or what what have they been running? We don't have a limit, but they're anywhere uh, between you know fifteen and seventeen hundred usually um, registered uh, vehicles. Wow, and you figure there's got to be typically you know an average of at least two people for a vehicle. Right. Yeah, we we draw a crowd. Um, we're 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 like um, smoking a bandit. We do what we do best, and that's show off. <laughs> awesome. And uh, do they still allow the a fireworks show? Well, okay, so here's where we're going to get a little um, uh, a little melancholy. Um, <laughs> our club um, has um, um, decided that we're going to um, defer our 60th annual safari one year. And the reason that is, is because the effects of COVID. So uh, 2021, we had a, a virtual safari. We did have a small booth out in in the area that we sold our merchandise. We had a very small raffle. We were very appreciative to the people who still supported us through that. However, we're still feeling the effects of COVID. Most of our vendors, um, they can't get product. And the product that they have is flying off their shelves. So we felt that it would be a disservice to our vendors and, and to our um, participants to try to put on a full-blown um, 60th. So we're, we're postponing our 60th for one year. Um, when we do come back for the 60th, um, it will be full. And we're hoping to have fireworks at, at the 60th. We're hoping to have a record um, uh, dollar amount on a raffle, um, and we're hoping to have a, you know, a, a great trail for everyone. Sounds awesome. So then, in twenty twenty two, it'll be a virtual like it was in twenty one. Yes, um, I'm sure that you know a lot of the restrictions will be lifted. Um, you know, um, we're we're still working through some of the. Um, the details, but, um, you know, we will have, um, a foothold down there with our t-shirt booth and, uh, you know, we're looking at, you know, different ways of having a raffle. Um, uh, it, it will be smaller. So everything will be smaller, but the desert is open. We encourage everybody to come out and use their desert and enjoy it. We'll be out there, um, to greet everyone and say hello and say thanks for coming and supporting us. Awesome, sounds good. And so, what other uh, what other activities does the Terra del Sol Four Wheel Drive Club do? Is it just well, the big the one big event, or do you guys have no. monthly trail rides or other things? Yeah. Yes, we do have monthly trail rides. Um, we um, we uh, all of our um, uh, monthly runs are always open to. Um, uh, guests um we have some pretty unique trails that we um that we run we run devil's canyon which is which parallels interstate eight uh down uh from the mountain to the the desert floor oh really 
Yes, Devil's Canyon is a is an old was really the old um, the old highway, the old and the way people used to cross the mountain. It is a gnarly trail. Bo Nice put it the best. If you come on that trail ride, you have to have a casual attitude towards body damage. <laughs> I would imagine. So, so does it stay yeah. in that wash mostly, or is it? it does it yeah, cross underneath? Yeah, it does. It does. You'll go. Um, you'll go by bridges, and you'll see freeways. And we do cleanups out there because if you know if if you next to a freeway, you're going to get trash. Oh yeah. So we go do that. Um, it's two miles, three miles long. I can't remember, but you know, it's a six mile round trip and it takes all day. So you can tell, um, what kind of obstacles are in your way. You guys with your, we rock stuff, you've got to have fun on that trail. Yeah. I've always loved that set of boulders out there. Just trying to figure, you know, that, that whole area has just got some just fantastic granite boulders, old granite. Oh yeah, it's 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 a lot of fun. There's many waterfalls. There's um, you know tight squeezes with lots and lots of rocks. Uh, uh, a lot of fun. I mean, I, I I've personally not taken my jeep on it because I'm just too a little chicken. But um, you don't with have the right, that casual. No, I don't have that. Ca- Actually, that that um, that is my wife. If I came back with um, <laughs> a dash in the side, I'd hear it from her. But um, uh, you know, with the right rig, uh, it's, it's a great day. Um, and if you have the right rig, you can, you can, you can get out of there without body damage. But, um, you know, uh, if, if a guy is inexperienced, he's, he's either going to break something or, or smash something. Okay. What other trails do you guys do in the, in that Southern California area? Well, let's see. Um, you know, we, we do a lot of stuff in Corral Canyon. Uh, that's, uh, um, um, that's a national, um, not national park. It's, um, uh, us, it's a Cleveland national forest. Okay. Um, uh, so there's lots of trails out there. We have some, um, adopted trails in there. We've, we've cut new trails out there for, for, uh, more enjoyment. Uh, we do, we do a lot of, um, you know, mild trail rides. We do some overland trips, uh, mostly all of the desert Southwest and, you know, our, our mountain areas that where we, we, we do trail rides. Basically, if we can get our, our tires, uh, in the dirt, we, we're having a good weekend. Awesome. You know, the summertime comes and, um, normally then we're trying to stay in the, in the, uh, altitude of the mountains or, um, we'll, we'll go as far as doing a street ride along the coast, um, to take the tops off and stay cool um, and have a little bit of beach fun. We can't get on the sand, and, of course, in Southern California, but... Um, Come to Texas. Do... What's that? Come to Texas. We got, yeah. we got like, 90 miles down here where we're at um, in, in, on the, along the Gulf Coast. You can do 60 miles in the National Park, Seashore, and oh. the Padre Island... Uh, National Sea Seashore, mm, easy for me to say, huh? And then there's another 30 miles or so from that north um, along the coastline, and down here in the coastal bend area outside of Corpus Christi, and it's it's great wheeling, it's fun. Wow, that sounds like a lot of fun. 
you know, what, that friend that I told you about that um, I met on Coyote Canyon uh, that I've been friends with since I was 18, um, he and a group of friends uh, did an overlanding trip, and they uh, outlined the, the uh, border of Texas on a trip. Took nice. him 30 days. Yeah, he's got some stuff on YouTube. Um, maybe if I uh, think about it, I can shoot you the link to his series. But yeah, they they did the whole border of Texas. It was pretty neat. Yeah, I'd love to. Uh, I'd love to see that. Yeah, send me yeah. some of that information. And okay. Then, so, um, just trying to get as much information for people that might be interested in, in joining your club runs and stuff, you guys on your website, which you said was, um, TDS four by four. Was that correct? Yeah, okay. That's correct. They, we also, do you have a also, schedule? Oh yeah, we, we have schedules on there. We also have, um, we're on Facebook. If you just search Tierra del Sol four wheel drive club of San Diego, uh, we're on, we're on Facebook. Um, and, and, you know, it seems like, social media is where everything's at these days yeah <laughs> too much of everything you might say yep <laughs> so then um people can join and come in your trail rides and stuff how many active members are of that 50 capped are you at 50 um no we're not quite there we, we have we have some uh folks that are emeritus which means they've been in the club for more than 25 years uh, we do have a few inactive members, but there's always room for new members. Um, uh, this is the way we're going to keep going for another 60 years is bringing in new members. Um, you know, we, we accept people of all ages. Excellent. Excellent. So anybody that's listening, if you're in the Southern California area or you're visiting there, and especially San Diego area, check out TDS4x4.com and or the um, TDS Terra del Sol site on Facebook, social media there, and find out, you know, go out wheeling with these guys and, and have some fun. Um, they're all a great group of guys and women. Yeah. I want to throw that in there. I don't want to think that, you know, or how about a great group of dudes since dudes is uh is not uh doesn't have any any kind of connotation anymore about being male or female listen i also want to throw out that you know if if someone's in the area and they they want to go wheeling and they don't see anything on our calendar please reach out to us you know we always are doing pop-up runs you know we're just hey it sounds fun let's go let's go do this this weekend or something and if, if, if we can't get anybody, you know, we have the network of all the other clubs in, in the area, you know, and lots of different friends that may want to go. So don't let the, the schedule, um, uh, you know, rain on your parade. If you want to go wheeling, just reach out. We'll, we'll find something to do. That's always good news. That's, that's good to hear. So well, is, that's what we are, right? We're a community, you know, and we, and, and you know, um, within our community, you know, we're all just a bunch of great people that just want to enjoy the outdoors with our, with our rigs. And that is what community is, what drives this whole sport. Um, and, and even on the competitive side, um, the social side and the business side is it's the community. It's, it's kind of crazy. 
Yeah, and you know, it's it's always good to go to these events, um, you know, wherever they're at. We run into people we haven't seen in years, and, um, you know, it's like a big family reunion. You know, I'm always super glad to see you and Shelly out and, um, you know, everybody from the industry and, and in the community, you know, we, we just, we just love hanging around each other. Exactly. Exactly. So we'd like to, uh, visiting another part of that is we'd, we'd really like to, um, reach out to you guys and I'll do it right here, right now and say that, um, as you guys do your trail rides, think about, um, you know, putting something together for the magazine for four low. We'd love to okay. uh, to share what you guys do um, in print and, you know, electronically. And it would be, you know, we're always looking for stuff like that. So think about that. I will, definitely. Everybody takes pictures nowadays. Yes. <laughs> All right. Yeah. So what's what's coming up for, first of all, for Bill and family? Um, well, um, for Bill and my fa- and, and my family, um, you know, I'm working from home now, which is what is allowing me to talk to you. Great. Um, so, um, I have zero room in my house for an office, so I'm building an office. So that's kind of taken up a bit of my time. Um, but, um, we, you know, we're, we're watching our, our family grow. We've had babies being born and, um, we, 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 we're getting more and more of our family into off-roading. So, um, it, you know, it's a bug you catch and you, you, uh, you can't get rid of it. So, um, that's what we're doing for us. As far as the club, we're looking, looking at Safari. Um, we've got a few runs on the, on the books. Um, uh, we are, um, uh, planning, um, some club runs for, uh, Thanksgiving, um, and, uh, we're just going to get together and have some fun for the next couple of months before safari hits. That's usually, this is usually our busy time of the year. So, um, we're, you know, we do do some trail rides, but a lot of our focus, um, during the week is on safari. Yeah. That pre-planning. Yeah. And, and even though you guys are a year out from your 60th, cause this will be 60.1 I guess, or 60. Yeah, 60.1, and then you guys will do a 60.2 in 2023, I guess. Something like that. Yeah. So, um, you know, it having a little break like that can really help get the next ev- full event just so that it's, you know, totally awesome. Not that your events aren't awesome. They are. But, I mean, just think about how much all that extra time to plan can help. Yeah, you know, you think after 59 years, we'd know how to do this. Um, and, <laughs> you know, um, every year we get better. And, you know, we try new things and and we figure out what works and what doesn't work. And, um, you know, so we we continue to try to innovate that stuff. And we, we want that experience to be great for everyone. Excellent. So is there anything that we uh, haven't touched on that you can think of that you'd want to add? Hmm. No, I think we've covered a lot of stuff. I mean, you know, let's just keep our fingers crossed that, um, you know, um, we can start getting materials for our vendors, um, support our vendors. Uh, 
they they are a big portion of this. Um, it's easy to go out and spend money if you have it. Um, we just need to have the, the, the stuff available for us. Um, you know, land use is always a, a continued um, issue. Um, if anybody's listening that is not involved with some sort of an organization, please get involved. Um, if, it, if it's not with your time, please open your checkbook. Uh, you know, there's tons of organizations out there that, that need help. Um, you know, with, without that, we're going to lose all of our lands. We've lost a ton of lands already, and um, we want to we want to make sure that our our children, grandchildren, and their children can enjoy what we do. Right, and and that's one of the things that your that the club does um, with this or with this organized event, the big one, Desert Safari, is that you guys uh, make donations to land use through that. That is correct. We 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 um, typically try not to be political, but we donate to the the organizations that fight those fights for us. Um, that's not to say that we won't get involved if, if necessary. Um, we have in the past, but um, uh, you know we support um, a, a number of organizations um, and, and and charities as well. Um, uh, you know. Um, we do, um, let's see, uh, Cal Four Wheel, Blue Ribbon Coalition, Corva, San Diego Off-Road Coalition, um, and I know I'm forgetting a few, but we, we support a lot of them um, with, with the proceeds from our events. That's excellent. So anybody that's listened to this, this, this event that they do is not helping them build their personal rigs. Um, this is, and it's, it's not a business, it's a club event, and they make donations with the funds that come in from the event. Yeah. And if you don't believe me, you can take a look at my jalopy. <laughs> I get it. All right. <laughs> so um, let's see. Is there anything else? No, I guess, I guess we have touched on everything. Well, Bill, yeah. I would like to say thank you so much for coming on board and spending the time uh, talking about yourself and Tedious. I know what we need to talk about. We need to talk about Bo Nice. Since I okay. couldn't talk him into being on here, we're just going to kind of push him to the curb a little bit. And if that bus happens to hit a puddle and splash on him, we won't throw him under the bus. But, uh, <laughs> you know, what, what can you say about, about Bo Nice? Well, the very first thing I can say is he works tirelessly at at anything and everything off road. Um, you know, uh, he works so much behind the scenes that nobody knows. Um, out of out of anybody that I personally know that's in our club, this guy he needs to be in that off road hall of fame. We he pushes and and works so hard. He lives and eats and breathes all this stuff. Um, you know, uh, he's, he's a wonderful guy. Um, sometimes he's a little cranky, but that's because he has problem hearing. And, uh, but all, all around, uh, him and his wife, Robin, are, are just wonderful people. Yes. They've, yes. They've been, they've been in, in this, um, in this off-roading thing for a lot more years than I have. That's awesome. Yeah, um, I will say that uh, my story with with Bo is that I was out at King of the Hammers, one of the early years, and 
the motorhome that I arranged to be able to uh, to rent out there fell through. And so I was sleeping. The first night I slept in the back because I didn't even bring a tent because I was going to have this RV, right? And yep. the whole rental thing fell through and was a debacle. But I ended up the first night in the back of the Maxis trailer with all the the tires and the equipment. And it was really <laughs> cold. And Bo heard about that and says, well, Rich, why don't you come on over and stay in my motorhome? And <laughs> Bo has a really nice motorhome. So he saved my butt on a cold King of the Hammers event. And I, when you listen to this, Bo, thank you so much for that, uh, for saving me that, that week. Well, I can, I can tell you that one story that stands out in mind, I mean, there's millions of them that for me and Bo, but we were co-chair for our 50th safari and, um, you know, state parks, um, was dragging their feet on approving our trail. And I think they finally approved it, um, the Thursday before our event. And, um, you know, Bo and I both are very passionate about safari and, and, um, uh, you can imagine a week in the desert with Bo and um, trying to get everything working right. Um, by Thursday morning, Friday afternoon, we wanted to strangle each other and, and probably said it, but the 50th, we had fireworks for the first time. And, and after that fireworks show, Bo, Bo's not a real touchy feely huggy kind of guy, but <laughs> let me tell you after the fireworks, um, him and I were jumping up and down, hugging each other because it was such a huge success. And, and it's probably because he's a huge pyromaniac too, but, um, <laughs> but nevertheless, we were hugging each other and it was, it was, it was, that, that's a pretty cool story. That's awesome. All right, Bo, we didn't throw you under the bus. We just splashed you a little bit. So thank you for, uh, for always being the friend that you've been to the four wheel drive industry um, all the people that uh, want to wheel in Southern California and myself personally. And Bill, I got to say the same thing to you too. Thank you. You're welcome, man. I'm, I'm, I'm just happy to be a part of it. You know, um, I, I think that most of the people in our community do the same thing if they have the time. Correct. I agree. All right, Bill, you take care and we'll talk to you later. Thank you very much, Rich. I appreciate it. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. If you enjoy these podcasts, please give us a rating, share some feedback with us via Facebook or Instagram, and share our link among your friends who might be like-minded. Well, that brings this episode to an end. Hope you enjoyed it. We'll catch you next week with Conversations with Big Rich. Thank you very much.